This is Dream Big with Dina Budano. I'm creating this podcast to give us a space to bring all your ideas to the table. Uh, All right, everybody. This is Dream Big with Dina Budano, and I'm super excited. For my guest today, I met him last, well, probably in the last six months, and I just, uh, maybe a year ago, because I did read your book last summer, so I met you a year ago, and so I'm very, very honored and pleased to have him on the podcast today. This is Mr. Sam Lee, so thank you, Sam. (laughs) You are very welcome. Glad to be here. On your yeah. program. <laughs> I'm so happy to be able to sit down and talk to you. You are such a big inspiration to me personally as a entrepreneur and a business um, person and just also the, the many, many challenges that you have faced in your life are pretty phenomenal and incredible and Um, I will be putting a link to your book for the podcast listeners to read because if you want a very inspirational story, I couldn't even put your story down. And this is your true life story. So you had many challenges that you faced and overcome. And so I... I uh, love knowing you, and I love just your heart and just how you do not harbor any um, anger or fr- frustration. You just have love and forgiveness. So why don't you tell everybody who you are, Sam? <laughs> well, my name is Sam. I am. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> well, I... I came to the United States in July 17, 1980. We just celebrated 40 years. Wow. Back prior to that, I was, um, let's see, 1966, at the age of 19, I joined the U.S. Special Forces as a combat interpreter. Mm -hmm. And when the war was over, the communists put me in prison and in labor camp. Mm. And when they released me, I felt that I just walked into a bigger prison. Mm. Can you imagine this? No. That, can you imagine that the government taking your home away and mm. forcing you to live in a jungle where they call new economy zone. Mm. Yeah, it is practically a place where you build your own hut, grow your own food and dig your own grave. Mm. Because malaria and diseases will come and get you. That's for sure. So can can you imagine this? Mm. Needing a day pass to travel from one city to another. You have to have a day pass. If you're caught on the road without one, they will catch you and put you in jail. Wow. Can you also imagine that your children are not allowed to go to school because of your past? In my case, I served the former government, I served the U.S. So that opportunity is no longer available for my children. Mm. So put your shoe, put me in, put yourself in my shoe. That you, you just get out of prison and labor camp. Now you go home, you don't have a home anymore. You become homeless. You become jobless. And mm. you see the children whom you love dearly have no future. They do not have future, literally. So what would you do if you were my soul, my soul? The only choice is to escape. Mm-hmm. 
where I lived, if you, you cross the border in Cambodia, that's a days away. The only choice that I had was to cross the South China Sea, 1,000 miles from Vietnam to the Philippines. That's the shortest distance on the South wow. China Sea from one country to another. The trick is, that is very treacherous passage because typhoon storm will happen anytime. You have only 75% chance. Wow. I mean, you have 25% chance of survival, 75% chance of dying. Of dying. Ugh. On the water. Oh, Sam. Now, yes. that 75% includes the chance that you're going to be shot at right at the time that you get on the boat because the communists see you, they will kill you. The 75% also includes the chance of the mechanical problem. You can be floating out there until you die. 75% mm. chance includes the water, the food never get to your boat. So either way, 75% chance of becoming food for shock. For mm. But I saw the 25% chance of success where my kids can go to school and be who they are. Mm. That's what I do. So I put the plan together. Of course, they caught me and put back in prison. The very first try. That is in my book. The details in my book. But I got caught and put in prison in labor camp. And when, after, I think, after nine months, they released me. And guess what? I tried again. I tried again. Mm -hmm. I tried the third time, just before <clears throat> the third time, my wife was so mad at me. Because every oh. time I am caught, she's the one who takes care of my children. Yeah. Hard, that's a hard job. Yeah. Work for family. So I can, I can feel the pains. But then, then I promised her, I said, no, I'm not going to do this anymore. Because it's too hard for you. But when I go home at night, when I see my children, especially when they're next to me and sleeping, I see the beautiful face, but they don't see, I don't see the future. Mm. So then I break that promise again. To the point that my wife was so mad at me. She said, why can't you be like anybody else in this village? Mm. Why do you ever try? Why do you have to try to escape? You don't have, you have lost a church. You don't even have underwear. And you still try. Wow, you know, Sam. You know, when, when, you know when your wife is mad at you, the best thing you do is keep your mouth shut. <laughs> yeah, right? Most, I mean, that's, yeah. So there you go. And I tried the four times, got on the boat. Luckily, thank God. Get on the boat with full speed. We took off from Cameron Bay, heading out to the international water. And by daybreak, the water was flat. The sun was beginning to rise at the horizon. It's called a pinky dish. It's the sun beginning mm. to rise. Unknown caller. Unknown yeah. caller. I'm going to turn this. <laughs> okay. Oh, no. Annoying. Okay. Anyway, and the fish racing along the boat jump into the air and come down. It's like an air show. It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. as, if they were, as if they were celebrating your freedom mm. for the first time. But that didn't last very long. Very long. The second day, Early in the morning, rain started coming down. Wind started blowing. And at the end of the day, it turned into a storm. Lightning. That must have been so terrifying. Yes. So the question I have for, for you and as an audience, that if you were in that moment, what would you do? 
Wind is coming down, you're wet. And wind slaps your face with rain. What would you do? The only thing that you can do is pray. And in, in fact, at that moment, you could hear the murmuring, the prayers of people on the moon. So that's the only time that you can, the only thing that you can do is to depend on to on God. That's, you, you're hopeless. There's nothing you can do. You're like a little dot in the ocean, and you bump along the way, along the way. But anyway, on the fourth day of our battling the, the storm, we discovered that the boat had only one can of fuel left. That's oh, gosh. Five, five gallons of fuel left. And you look around, all around you the water, you don't know where you're at. You don't know where you're at. So I remember vividly when we pour the last drop of fuel into the engine and tossed the can into the water, it quickly disappeared. That tells you how strong the wind was. Mm. So do you want me to tell the whole story? Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but I'm going to stop there because you are going to ask me more questions, but that's just, that's where I was on that boat. Let me let me go yeah. a little further. Let me go further. So after I put the fuel into put the fuel into the engine and we continue heading east where we believe that was Philippines and then ahead of us appear a big, big dark cloud. And we're thinking, my God, this is another storm coming in. I don't think we can handle this. Mm. But we got closer, as we got closer, closer, it turned out to be a, an island. Mm. An island. We scream with joy mm. that we were safe. We got to the island, and we discovered that the boat didn't have an anchor, nor did it have a rope. Oh, gosh. I know you're thinking, is it a love boat? <laughs> Oh, gosh. <laughs> and I was trying to figure out how to hold this boat down. I spotted my, on my left a tiny dot moving our way. And it got bigger. And it got bigger. And it turned out to be a small canoe-shaped boat with one person on it. Mm. It was about, I think, about 200 yards away from my boat. I jumped into the water and swam toward it. I know you're thinking, Sam, you're crazy, Vietnamese. <laughs> <laughs> but I needed help. I needed help. So with the help of this man, a Filipino, it turned out the Filipino, he lifted me, helped me get on the boat. And I quickly told him that uh, we are Vietnamese. We're looking for the U.S. military base. And he said, tell your boat captain to follow me, but hurry, another storm is coming in. Mm. It's an urgency. So I um, convey the message, tell the boat captain to do exactly what he wants. And I decided to stay on his boat. Mm. And as we we were leaving, as we were leaving the island, both of, both of us, his boat and my boat, where my, my wife, my children, and uh, other people on the boat, we were leaving, as we were leaving the island, the center of the typhoon hit, <gasps> hit us with violent wind, heavy rain. We were immediately separated by a blanket of water, by a sheet of rain, I could no longer see my boat. Mm. I turned and said, sir, sir, could you please turn around so I can see my boat? He said, no, no, no more gasoline. And on, and he took me to his village. Mm. I lost my boat. I lost my family to the typhoon. 
Sam. <laughs> yes, that's the prize we pray for. We pay for freedom. Yeah, definitely. Oh, you got you got to finish the book the yes. second time or third time to to get the the whole picture of that. But yeah. uh, but back to the question is that when I speak to book clubs around the region, Spokane, Washington, Idaho, Seattle, they always share with me the four lessons that they learn from my story. Mm. Lesson number one is perseverance. I I pray, pray, praise God that they didn't kill me. Mm. Why did Why didn't they kill me? I don't know. But only God can tell me that. So perseverance. Number two is forgiveness. Just like mm. the forgiveness, because once you forgive. You line up. It's a one of a one of my speeches I gave was uh, if you don't let it go, the grudges, the anger, the hatreds, the grudges in there, in you, it becomes poison. It becomes poison. It's the garbage that puts you down, and the poison that sucks the life out of you. Mm -hmm. That's number two. Number three is appreciation. They said, "Well, shouldn't you get off, get out of the prison and labor camp? You look at the sky; the sky's blue, and you were able to see, uh, to hear the birds chirping. Mm. Mm. How could you do that?" I said, "Well, I, don't know. I just pay attention and appreciation." In my book, I quoted Gordon Arthur, who said this beautifully. The more you appreciate, the more you are given. Mm -hmm. It's so true. You look around. If you appreciate, you say, "Well, something happens." I I'm so thrilled. I appreciate it. And you look around because of that. There are more coming to you. It's 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 a nature. You cannot help help mm -hmm. appreciating more. So appreciation. In fact. On my keynote that I'm working on right now, 45 minutes keynote, based on my life story, uh, the title is called "Appreciation Is the Key to Prosperity." Mm. There you go. You can write it out. It's free. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes, that's a great quote, Sam. <laughs> uh -huh. Uh -huh. And then the last one that is love. Mm -hmm. Love is is perpetual in my book. You probably remember the scene when the rain was beating down on my children, and of course there's that there's time there's a moment there's a moment that I regret that I took them on on the boat because they were about to die because mm -hmm. the, the wind the the wind the rain. All combined, turn their skin into purple. Because, mm. but I was able to be creating. I grabbed for a beach towel. I remember the color was a fuchsia pink, beach towel, and I grabbed both ends with my arm and create a tipi for them, and then. The end of the towel, I grab it with my toes on each car corner, so it slopes down. All the rainwater comes down, and mm. both of them, both of them, one on each side, lamb and torn on each side of my chest, and I held them, and pretty soon, the warm, the heat, the warm, I think the warm, <laughs> from my body transferred to them, and they were able to come alive again. Mm. So that is vivid right there. Mm. But the whole thing, I mean, the, 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 the whole trying to escape, despite the hardship, despite the beating, I tasted my own blood. Because the comet punched me, slapped me, I tasted my own blood. Mm -hmm. For what? For the sake of my children to bring them 
to freedom so that they can have or they can enjoy the life that God created them to have. Mm. That is to go to school and then earn the education. So I give you four qualities that people tell me that that, that the quality, four lessons that they learn in the book. I never thought, I never thought when I told a story, even though I never thought I could write a book, even in Vietnamese language, never <laughs> English. But when they read it, they give me the feedback that the four mm. that they learn in it. Beautiful. So, so that's, in a nutshell, that's who I am. And I came to the United States, like I said, July 17, 1980, 40 years ago. With your wife and your, wife, and my, your boys, my right? Boy. And I get <laughs> one more boy in uh, 1984 when I was in, in California. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm working for El Camino Hospital. Not as a doctor, but I was, <laughs> I was a, a dishwasher mm -hmm. at that time when I first came to America and I went back to school. So my wife uh, gave us a, a birth to my youngest son, Jonathan, in Southern California, 1984. So four years after arrival, we had another boy, baby. So I've got three boys. Lucky me. <laughs> yes. And I love that you're, because of your 25% chance that you saw, right. you, your kids are living that dream today. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. Uh, it's just a perseverance. It's a, well, I think there's a, there's a, there's a line that say uh, for a kite, to fly, it must have ride, it must ride against a strong wind. Hmm. Strong wind is all the obstacle that are thrown in our life, all the hardship that thrown in your life. But when you ride through that, it's, it's a, the kind, a metaphor of your goal, your dream, whatever, it will fly high. Mm, that's good. <laughs> so everything happened for a reason. To me, everything happened for a reason. Yeah. So you just have to stop and pause and think, what do I learn from this incident? What I, what can I do to get me out of this? And what I learned from it so that I can appreciate that. Because it's given, it is, it's there for you to learn. And because <laughs> learning is a, is yeah, most people say, well, oh, suck, this is, life's not fair. Yes, <laughs> there's nothing you can do about it. What you can do is <laughs> look at that and say, well, thank you for showing up to me because I can learn something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what, what year did you move to Spokane? Ooh. 1987, July 17, 1987 again. So something about July 17, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah I, I was uh, like a destiny uh, in my life. So I came to Spokane. Well, that's a question people ask me all, all the time. Uh, with all the places in America, why, <laughs> why Spokane? Well, this is my line. I said, when they ask me that question, especially when I'm speaking to the audience of it, <clears throat> Spokane has beautiful people. Not only mm -hmm. do they have a kind hearts, but they have a sacred heart. Mm -hmm. that's, a, that's a hospital. You didn't get my joke. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I came for a visit in, I think, in June, somewhere in June, probably June 15. And after visiting, on the way home, that's three day visiting. On the way home, my wife and I shook hands and we said, let's move. And I told her, I don't care if I work for McDonald's to raise my kids. That's why I wanted you. So uh, 30 days after that, with a beaten up van, I think $300, a $300 mm. van, we loaded all the belongings 
from Sunnyvale, California, and we drove over here. I think it's fourteen, fifteen-hour drive mm -hmm. over here, and that's the beginning of uh, Spokane. And we started out. This is something that people find is very inspiring because I started my business out of a garage, selling mm -hmm. silk, selling silk flowers, the kind that you can't kill. Mm-hmm. And we did it for a year. And even with the business set up is in the garage, in the not, I think it's on the, on University Road between Broadway and Mission in the Valley. Mm -hmm. And without much of traffic, but we're, we're still doing well. So here's, a, here's my thinking, if, if in this much of traffic and you still can generate that much money, what would be more if you had a commercial location? Mm -hmm. So we asked friends and friends, that's friends, they show me the building at the corner of Indiana Division, Indiana Division. Okay. And mm -hmm. we started uh, our business then, commercially. And we grew and we grew. After 12 years, I never never met with the landlord. I, I don't want to mention his name. I met with him, never met with him. Talked to him on the phone three times. And I never missed a single payment. Mm -hmm. At the end of 12 years, he gave me a notice that the rent was going to be 45% increase. Oh, wow. I said, forget you. But then I, <laughs> I, I, was, I, I was having a dilemma. If I stay and walked, and all the money that I made would be given to him. It doesn't make any sense. So I took my book to the bank, U.S. Bank, then behind the building. Mm -hmm. I said, Mr. Banker, here's my performance. Could you tell me how much you can loan me? Because I'm tired of, of ranting. Here's mm -hmm. my situation. So I explained the situation that the rents are going to be almost double. So they said, well, I can give you half a million dollars for you to either buy the building or build the building. It's up to you. Yeah. With that in mind, I began to call friends. One of my friends was a realtor, so I told him to look for me a spot. So the, the one on division right now, we're actually Ruby right now. That's where we are right now. Okay. So he said, go drive by there. And I said, God, I, I know where, where, where it is, but then it has a big mold of dirt, chest, empty can, bottle, you name it, everything is there. But then my wife behind me, on that day we came over there to see, and I turned around after I made my comment, this is, this is, this is a lot of money to fix. And she said, honey, but it's good location. I said, yes, but where did you get the money? So anyway, we met with uh, Michelle, uh, the, the uh, agent for DOT, Department of Transportation, who owns that building. Mm -hmm. and, and we got we were talking about that. And I, uh, now, I have to let you know that I, at that moment, I was like a used car buyer. I don't <laughs> care what rate, how much, just tell me the monthly payment. And the number to get, you know, she pulled out the calculators, she gave me the number that was $180 more than what I was paying the landlord. Mm -hmm. This is before the raise. So I got so excited and I said, I want it. And she said, no, calm down, Mr. Lee, because you have to go through an auction. Oh. Uh -huh. And then you have to put in, uh, your number down, the, your offer. But the minimum bid was five and a quarter. So guess what? I put $10 more than the minimum bid. Mm -hmm. All the form and put in the check and 
mail it out with my prayer. <laughs> Three days later, they called me. Miss Lee, you got the building. How excited I was. Beautiful. So we stayed there for, what, 21 years now? We're going on 21 years. Yeah, and it's such but, a good location. It's it the best location for, right. yeah, so our furniture I store. I'm blessed <laughs> many, many ways. I'm counting yes. my blessing, and that, that's my theme is counting your blessing every day. God is good. God is good. God is awesome. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and was it something that you and your wife um, really dreamt about going into furniture, or was furniture just kind um, of that natural uh, progression uh, for, from the flower? So here we are. We, like I said, we lost the lease. And we got that building. We took a year to um, to fix it, refurbish it, and mm -hmm. add it in there so where we could open. February 2000, we had a grand opening. And uh, we still have flowers at that time. We moved in uh, with flowers on the floor. Mm -hmm. But we added some accessories, like uh, pictures and artworks and all that thing. And then it was still amazing. So if those of you who have been in Spokane for the last 40 years, you remember that name, Amazing Silks, because it's so flowers. But that day, two ladies who drove by, one telling the others, now they don't have anything. But the other ones, well, they have some cool picture out there. Let's check it out. So they're checking that and they said, well, I thought it was, they all told me this. I thought this is a silk flower, but you have something more than silk flower. And then that prompted me to change the name to my granddaughter, Madison, the Madison Home. Oh, yeah, that's Madison. how you got the name. Uh, okay. Just, I think a few years back now, I don't know, maybe three, four years, there was a gentleman who cornered me in the store. He said, well, Sam, Madison, now you, now Sam, you are, you are Asian, you're Oriental. <laughs> Where the hell did you get that name? Where the hell did you get that name? I said, well, we named the store after our granddaughter, Madison. So, anyway, back to the store. I didn't know that. I love that. That's so sweet. So, <clears throat> back to the story. So, we move over there. Now, one day, my son, Lamb, the oldest son, he's with me now still brand new store and he asked me to get can I do furniture I said why not you have an education you went to school and dad is here to support you support your dream if that's what you want go for it mm -hmm. now at that time he didn't have any clue about furniture but he's, I think in his mind as a boy he probably telling himself that, hey I don't want him to do I don't want to do anything I don't want to to do anything with, with flowers, uh, let, alone, <laughs> yeah. let alone silk flowers, you know? Yeah. So we sent him out on the buying trip in North Carolina, Greenboro. And when he came back, after that trip, he had, I think, $97,000 order. <laughs> and then, guess what? September 11 happened. Oh. Devastating. Scared yeah. out of me. I called the bank. He said, Mr. Banker, would you please double or triple my credit line, which I had at that time was $75,000. And the bank does what the bank does. He said, well, we need your two-year stock return, personal and business. And then we, we'll, we'll talk about that. So while I was pondering on that, of course, we were single blue, not many people, not, not a single soul coming to the store the first week of September 11. So the following week after calling the bank, uh, there's a lady, listen to this, there's a lady who, who comes in the store and lamb, my son, helps her. And after listening to him and looking at the pages of capital. She comes to me and she wrote me a check for 
$24,000. Wow. Yes, wow is wow. The biggest wow. <laughs> check in my life. Wow. And her name is Debbie Smith. I've been telling this story to the whole world. Never forget her. Now, mind you that at that time, we didn't have much furniture. Just mm -hmm. based on the catalog and based on the trust that she gave me, she placed an order, $24,000. Wow. <laughs> and then, a week, about a week after that, there's a gentleman. Uh, his name, I try to remember people who, who, who come to my life making uh, a purchase or something that's significant. And uh, his name is Ken, Ken Warrington. He came in, looked around, walked around, and went downstairs, and then he took off. Bye. About, about a week later, he came back and gave me a $15,000 order. Wow. On a credit card. Remember that. Wow. And like, That's so amazing. Right, and then like a like a, a student learning, and I, I like I said, we didn't know anything about furniture. It was like a it's a, like a student learning, and I asked him, sir, sir, could you tell me? Could you help me? He said, he looked at me and said, well, what do you want? What do you want, young man? I said, well, teach me if you will. That this is my very new business. I assume that you. When you came in the first time and you walked away and now uh, she came back and gave me a sizable order, which I appreciate very much, but teach me, if you will, that is what happened. What's the process? He said that when I walked into the door at the entrance right there, I felt the warmth. Mm. That means trust. Mm-hmm. I would not do any business without that, that element, that quality, which is trust. Mm. And second, you guys are friendly. You greeted me and you left me alone. You didn't follow me. That's number, <laughs> two. number two. Number three is you have a selection. Mm. And number mm -hmm. four, he said that your price is good price. You have a high-end quality, but your price is medium price. So those are four things that he gave to me, and it became a lesson for me. You know, students from Gonzaga, students from uh, Whitworth, students from Eastern and Wazoo, from those colleges, especially MBA students, they come to interview me. I share with them, they sit down on the table, and I just want to share with them, they wrote it down furiously. And I was just joking at the time, hey, I'm going to give you a bill later. But, but anyway, <laughs> but anyway uh, they, they said that uh, that's a fundamental in any relationship, any business, because number one, there's a trust. Yeah, it doesn't go anywhere, especially, well, from family relationship to business world. You have to have it. Without that, nothing is going to happen. So those yeah. are four things, four qualities that I build my business based on. That's beautiful. So from, there, from there, God is on my side. He, you know, people, there's some people who try to cheat me, but then so we go back to the, the second lesson that we learned earlier that it's forgiven. Mm. Because there's some there. In, in that store, there is a guy who came in to be friend with us, young man. He brought his wife and two beautiful blonde-headed girls, the daughters, assuming. It's just like an angel to me. He said, he comes every week, spend probably an hour talking to us, be mm -hmm. friend, friend. So finally, I think I'm about almost 
half a year went by and he said, I'm ready to place an order. So we created an order. Now here's, here's my mistake, which is also a mess. See, when you make a mistake, that's a lesson, right? You learn from your mistake. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So the mistake I made was that in my policy, the policy for the store is when you place an order, we need to have a half down. And when the furniture comes and delivered, mm. you collect the balance. But mm -hmm. in this case, I didn't do it to this man. And he ordered a lot of things. Well, when I say a lot, I want to give you the number about, I think it's 89000 Wow. $89,000. That's the wow. furniture. And on top of that, it's Christmas time, so he ordered Christmas tree, ornaments, and so on and so forth. It runs wow. $115,000. Wow. The day that we delivered to him, he told my son, Lamb, that, uh, tell your dad that I'm going to wire everything to his account on time. Mm -hmm. Lamb came home and told me about it. And, said, and then, after I checked with the bank, the bank said, no, I haven't seen any wire. Then it dawned on me, dear. Oh, no. I, I never given him my account number. <gasps> Oh. To me. So right there is a, is a first piece of information that this guy is not honest. But anyway, I kept calling, calling, and finally he gave me the total of thirty thousand dollars. One time was a a check that came in. He brought he brought his his wife came in the store. I remember vividly the snow was coming down, and he stopped uh, the car in front of the store and then gave me twenty thousand dollar check and another check for $10,000. So the total of $30,000. And after that, I call him. Every day I call, every time I call, he said he was in Nigeria, he was in Montana, he was in a meeting all the time. Finally, I knew that it was a scam, big scam. Mm. And then uh, my friend, he told me, I shared with him, and he told me that, Sam, if he did it to you, you could probably have done it to many people. Yeah. Right? So here's the only thing that you can do. Now listen, this is very powerful. He said, take inventory of yourself. What you have, you have business, you have beautiful family, you have good health. Mm. That's the thing that you, need to focus on. Forget about him. I know it's big money, but if you have your health, you can continue to make more money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So at that point, I decided to leave him out of my thinking. And just like I said earlier, I forgive him. To the point that I wrote in an email, I said, Derek, I hope I'm the last person on earth that you did to mm. because it's painful. It's a lot of money. It's so painful. I forgive you. Mm. I forgive you, but I love you because you have beautiful face. Yeah, but your wife, your children, I forgive you. And he wrote me back quick. Whoa. He did. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. So it's been four years now, we haven't heard from him, and I don't want to think about that because right after I forgave him, guess what? God gave him more. Mm. Yep. Gave me a lot more. So that is very powerful right there. So the, like I shared earlier, if you carry your grudge, your anger, your hatred, they all become poison. Mm. You will die. Yeah, that's beautiful, Sam. Right. <laughs> yeah. So the story of the of the of the of the, uh, the evolving from silk flowers into furniture.
any more questions that come to your mind? I really love, yeah, I didn't know that that was how you guys got to furniture. So I love, love knowing that story. And I have to tell you, um, my husband and I have never bought new bedroom furniture. Our entire marriage, we've been married now 26 years. So wow. we're, we're going to come buy it from you in Madison hey. home. Yes. We do not advertise. Even, even years ago, we do not advertise. So my, the, the, the other stores, when they advertise, you know, when, when you buy furniture and you buy $10,000, it's a good, good chunk of investment. You don't mm -hmm. just buy but they shop around and they come to me. They stuck with me. I love it. <laughs> yeah. You have beautiful things. I love just being in your store too. I understand the the presence of um, what the, you know, that one customer just felt when he walked in. And I'm sure me, most people feel that way. Well, so, here's, yeah, here's a what. Speaking of that, let me, let me share with you this. People come to me and get a piece of furniture and just as they leave, they tell me this. They look at me in the eye and say, Sam, I come for a piece of furniture, be it a chair or a table or a sofa. Not only I get the furniture, but I go away with a piece of you. Hmm. That's cool. <laughs> and you can you can you can just tear up when they said that. That's what you want. You want is that you have that relationship with other people, not because of money, not because of the furniture or merchandise, but the relationship. Yeah. Yep. They see and then you get to be a part of people's story. Right. And yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, Okay. Uh, you've kind of you've kind of answered quite a bit of my questions just naturally, which I love how how that process worked out. Um, but I do want to know, kind of, just going into today, mm -hmm. where we're at today, what is really your key motivation for continuing? For continuing, mm -hmm. motivation. Well, if you can, if you just stop doing anything, you're gonna die. That's another one. You yeah. have, you have to create your desire to learn. <clears throat> to me, it's learning. You can read book, you can listen to podcasts, podcasts, which is what you're doing right now, or video. Forget about news. Forget about newspaper mm. because there's nothing there for you to be better, to grow as a person. So I get up early morning. I know that I have a day ahead. So I need to train myself, read books, and create more speech, more speeches, because I'm a Toastmaster. Um, mm -hmm. Because in Toastmaster, when you, you learn, not, not that I promote Toastmaster now, which I can do that too. Yes, but, love but, Toastmasters. But, <laughs> You go in Toastmaster not only to learn to become a better communicator, better speaker, but also you becoming a better person. Mm. That's the yeah. truth. That's honest. I never thought I could be able to do what I'm doing right now because English is my second language. And I can remember the day that the book came out, it was 10 years ago, Mr. Jim Miller the marketing agent for Tate Publishing uh, Enterprise in Oklahoma called me one evening. I said, Mr. Lee, you're going to be on a book tour. You're going to be speaking to audiences. Mm. Are you ready? <laughs> Are you ready, sir? What? <laughs> just, the, just the thought of standing in front of the audience promoting my book. Uh, <laughs> that, that frees me already. So anyway... I type in, well, first of all, I said, no problem. On the surface, I said, no problem. But in reality, I was ready to wet my pants. 
Yes. So <laughs> my computer and then typing public speaking, Toastmaster came up. Mm -hmm. uh, on the screen. And I call him up. It happened to be a club only five minutes away from my store. It's called Moonlighters at the um, Corbin, Senior Corbin Center. So I joined the club ever since and I learned so much, so much because it forces me to pronounce or to enunciate more clearly. Yep. You know, when, when I gave my first speech, it was terrible. That was terrible because the evaluator who was assigned to evaluate my speech always tell me this. You need to work on your pronunciation, enunciation. Mm. Then I, I took that too hard and I continued to do that. Especially on, on the speech that you need to rehearsal. And I, I did it so much so that I competed. I compete at the international level. So I love it. Yes, you do love it. Yeah, I, I know. Love, and you got, me in, you got me inspired to join right, too. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what, uh, what's one word in English that gives me the most, most trouble to pronounce? Hmm. You know what it is? No. Are you ready? Yes. Asparagus. Oh. <laughs> Asparagus. <laughs> Good thing you don't have to say that very often. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, the story of that is very cute. I was, uh, like I said, I was a dishwasher. And mm. the dishwasher, you have to serve the tray line. On the tray line, you are assigned to do either meat or drink or vegetable. In my case, that day, that evening, is a vegetable. And you have uh, steamed carrots, steamed cabbage, and so on and so forth. Mm. My pot, asparagus, was empty, and I called to the kitchen. I wanted, I wanted asparagus, and everybody laughed. They couldn't understand. <laughs> so I made the point. I made a point to learn that and to pronounce it, asparagus. I it's not bad at all right now, right? <laughs> oh yeah, you got it. You got it. <laughs> right. You're kidding. Forty years in America. I better learn this. Something <laughs> better speak English. Then. So well, I do have I do have just two more questions. Just kind of my my next question is, you know, how how are you navigating our current situation with COVID regulations? Are you are you finding that it's affecting your business? Are you oh, yes. doing okay? Oh, yes, just like yeah. anybody else, you were shut down. Mm -hmm. You can find at home. It was terrifying. The, it was terrifying. The first few months, I think it was in March, April, May, in June we were open and we, 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 we do very well. Thank God. Good. It's open. Even the time that we were closed, uh, people still communicate with us. but we still want to buy furniture, so we. Doing via email, doing business via email. Mm -hmm. They went online. They found the line that we carry, and they give us the uh, stock number, and then we're able to give them a price. And then uh, they made a purchase, and we delivered. So oh, good. Yeah. It, yeah. It does, yes, COVID does affect us, just like anybody else. But then there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. You ride, arrive it. And I, I share with people, this thought of mine, that if I could cross the South China Sea, I could do this. I could handle the COVID. Yeah. 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 And it, yeah. It's, it's not in your hand. You know, you can't. No matter how much you try, God is in control. Yeah. Love God, it. You just have to believe that God is in control. And he says, do not, do not be afraid. Trust in me. And that's what mm. you have to do. Because when you're in fear, everything is frozen. It, it knocked it out. It locked it out. So my, my thought for you and everybody who's listening is that do not fear. 
Mm. Trust in God. Love that, Sam. Yeah. Well, this is just my last question for our time together. Um, this is just something that I love to ask, and it can be big, it can be small, it can be whatever um, you want it to be. But what is your next dream, your next dream big? What are you focusing on for the future? Well, it's it changed, it changed. Ever since I joined Toastmaster, mm. um, I wanted to be the world champion of public speaking. Mm. Hard on that. And I've changed so much after that. I, I, I went all the way to district, took home trophy, and every time that I didn't make all the way to the top, I get upset, disappointed. Mm. Well, I listened to, this that comes to me was not on my own, but from the um, gentleman who won the uh, world champion. He's from Saudi. And he came second in the district uh, contest. He's got trophy, but he wasn't happy, just like I wasn't happy. <laughs> yeah. I, you can see that I'm connected, right, with that story. And he said that the club president came to him and congratulated him to, uh, that he had second place with a trophy. And he wasn't very thrilled. And the president asked, why? He should be very happy. He said, yeah, but I want a bigger trophy. <laughs> with that, with that he, said, he asked this guy, his name is Katani. Katani, if that's what you want, come with me. There is a trophy shop across the street. I can buy you <laughs> a biggest one. <laughs> Man, that's like a knockout to me. Wake up. You don't, you speak not because of trophy. You speak mm -hmm. because you're winning. You speak not because a title. You speak because you want to touch the audience life, mm. change their life with your own life experience. Yeah. Because of that, I changed completely. I'm speaking not for the glory of the trophy, not the glory of the title, world champion of public speaking, but for your heart. Mm. Because yes. when you listen to a speech, Actually, it's not speech. He said that, don't give me speech. Give me the life that you experience. Because your life experience is one that I want to hear. So that I can learn from that. So that I can change. So that I can improve. Yes, I love that. Right. I, think, I think that's going to be the title of our podcast. Okay. The life... Uh, can you say that again about the life? Um, okay. It's not the speech that you give, but it's the life that you lived. Yeah. It is not the speech that you give. It is the life that you lived. Life that you lived. I love that. That's going to be the title of our podcast. Okay. 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 <laughs> okay. Well, good luck. Well, well thank you. Thank you so much, Sam. I love that vision for you. I'm going to hold that vision. I'm going to support you and cheer you on, especially as a fellow Toastmaster myself. And I know that we have our meeting tonight here pretty soon. So thanks for spending this time with me beforehand. And thanks for inspiring my life and also for inspiring me with Toastmasters as well. So you're you're pretty awesome. And whenever I think about, you know, especially currently with just everything that we've gone on, I really do remember your story and listening to your story and just knowing that you survived that and went through that and everything that you went through just gives us all hope. So thank you, Sam, for sharing your story. And for writing that because people need that right now, especially. So 
Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> I didn't mean to cry, but... Well, it's my job. It's my yeah. job to make people cry because the story, the word that I touch their hearts. Is yeah. That's good. Okay. Well, we'll okay. See you in a few minutes. And everybody, keep dreaming big. That's keep right. praying bigger and go after those dreams and take that 25% chance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <I love it. laughs>